You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. says, oh God, oh God, one more time. God honors that prayer and he pushes with all of his might. Heaven answers and the whole temple of Dagon comes crushing down. And here's how it ends. Thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. And despite his failures and the issues of the lust of his eyes and flesh and the pride of his life, he yet, in the end of his life, was so humbled and God empowered him and he was a great hero. It's story time. Join Pastor Danny today as he takes you back in time to meet some characters in the Old Testament of the Bible. You'll hear about Gideon, a timid man who God called to do great things. And you'll meet Samson, a mighty judge set over the nation of Israel who struggled with pride and lust. Each person you meet will have an incredible story to share but also a human side. These were real people struggling with sin, just as you do. God still used them, and he can use you too. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 with today's edition of The Living Word. We've spent a total of nine weeks in Hebrews 11, other messages in between those nine weeks, obviously. And in that time, we've looked at quite a few characters in the Bible who responded to God by faith. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Moses' parents, And then, of course, the people's faith we looked at, the corporate faith. Last character we looked at, one of my favorites, uh, Rahab, the prostitute. Hers is a Cinderella story like no other. But at this point, the Holy Spirit moves the writer to quickly mention others who responded to God in faith, and there's not a lot of elaboration. These are people who performed uh, heroic exploits, even received miraculous uh, intervention, from heaven, beginning in verse 32. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Can you imagine? And I know people in this service that have lost a child, some more than one. You imagine God performing the kind of miracle that he gave that child back to you in this life? I know that's what every parent would desire. Some of these people experience that. It's quite a collection of figures. Gideon, 
seven years, the Midianites had been oppressing Israel. And then the work of the Midianites did its job because Israel sinned and God allowed the Midianites to oppress them with the intention and with the desire that they would repent so he could once again bless them. It worked. After years of oppression by the Midianites, they cry out to the Lord, and God's chosen instrument is a man named Gideon. Now, let me say at this point, I need you to just try to pretend that you're my children. I'm not going to be telling you to turn to scriptures like I normally would. So just imagine, I'll tell you a few Bible stories. Gideon's a great story. Midianites oppressing Israel. They cry out to the Lord. God chooses Gideon. Here's what uh, the story in the book of Judges says. The angel of the Lord, after they cried out, came and sat down under the oak and Oprah that belonged to Joash, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. So God sends the angel of the Lord to this wine press where Gideon is threshing wheat. By the way, the angel of the Lord, whenever you see that phrase in the Old Testament, whenever you hear it or read it, that's Christ in the Old Testament, not an angel, the angel of the Lord, the messenger of the Lord. It's Christ before he became the baby Jesus and the man Jesus, Christ. And we know that by looking at the text that refer to the angel of the Lord and how uh, things he did and how people responded to him. He's God. So the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon as he's threshing wheat. And here's how he opens the conversation with Gideon. He says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now those chuckling are ones that know the story. Because at this point in his life, Gideon's anything but a mighty warrior. He's threshing wheat in a wine press. You don't thresh wheat in a wine press normally, but he's afraid of the Midianites. He's hiding. He's in a wine press. He's threshing wheat. And the angel of the Lord comes, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And here's his response. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. In other words, I'm not a mighty warrior. The angel assures him that he will be with him, and they will strike down the Midianites. That's not good enough for Gideon. Gideon says, wait, wait, give me a sign. Give me a sign. Gideon prepares an offering. The angel of the Lord says, take the offering, put it on that rock. He puts it on the rock. Angel of the Lord takes the staff that's in his, his hand, strikes through, touches the rock, fire flares from the rock, consumes the offering. I think that's a pretty good sign. <laughs> and then he's given his first assignment. Before he goes to fight the Midianites, there's something he needs to do. The angel says, go to your father's house and tear down those idolatrous altars of his. His father is an idolater. He's got altars to Baal and an altar to Asherah. And that's his first assignment. Go tear down your father's altars and then build a proper altar to the Lord in their place. And here's what it says. He does it, but here's what it says. He was afraid of his family and the men of the town, so he did it at night. Well, they find out the next morning, they do some investigation, find out it was Gideon who did it. Now, thank God, his dad, his dad, when the men of the town are all upset because these altars have been torn down and an altar to the Lord uh, in, their, in their place, they're all upset. But his dad comes and says, well, listen, if we got to defend Baal, he's not much of a God, is he? And now he's given his assignment. Go call together the men of Israel so he'll come and fight with you. And so he calls. He sends the message out. 32,000 men show up. God says, Gideon, I want you to go to those men and say, if you're afraid and you don't want to go into battle, you can go home. 
Gideon's thinking, what? He's got to be thinking that because he's going up against an innumerable Midianite, Midianite army. But he goes out before the people. And he says, hey, guys, God says anybody that doesn't want to go fight, it's okay. You can go home. 22,000 men took God up on his offer. He's got 10,000. Then God says to him, that's too many. Oh, you're kidding me. God says, go down to the lake, go down to the river, go down, and anybody who drinks, uh, lapping like a dog, they're out. But anybody who kneels down, stays alert, they're in. 9,700 men lapped like dogs. And now it's Gideon. He's got his army, 300 men. And then God says, here's the plan. Get the, listen to the plan. Here's the plan. Get every man to get a, a clay jar and a trumpet. I'll give the signal to you. You give the signal to the men. And when I do, you say, break your jars, blow your trumpets. That's the plan. Oh, and by the way, shout, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And if you read the story, there's no indication that any one of these men have a physical sword. They got a clay jar and a trumpet. You got to have faith to follow those kind of instructions. God gives a signal to Gideon. He gives a signal to the men. They break their jars. They blow their trumpets. And God wipes out an innumerable Midianite army, and Gideon becomes a hero. How you doing, kids? You like that story? Then there's Barak. Judges chapter 4 is where you find the story. Men aren't leading in the day, and Israel has once again fallen back into sin. The Canaanites are oppressing Israel. Deborah the prophetess is leading Israel because the men are so lax. But God wants to turn things around. In their oppression, they cry out once again to the Lord. God speaks to Deborah, says, you call Barak. I'm going to use him. He's my agent to lead us back into victory. Deborah calls Barak. She says, here's what the Lord wants you to do. And he says, well, I'll go, but only if you go with me. That's what he said. I'll go, but only if you go with me. He's a coward too. She says, okay, I'll go with you, but the way you're going about this, the honors are going to be more for a woman than for you. In other words, you need to be a leader. Well, they go together, and God gives them great victory over the Canaanites after 20 years of oppression. And Barak, even though he's still a bit of a coward, he becomes a hero. Then there's Samson, one of my favorite characters in the Bible, led Israel for 20 years in the days of the judges. Samson. Samson. Hey, when you think about Samson, if you get the image of a, a gold gym kind of guy, you got, the, got, you got the wrong image. That's not what he looked like. He didn't have bulging muscles. You read the story. Nobody could figure out how he could do such great exploits of strength. He catches 300 foxes. I mean, that's a feat in itself. You catch 300 foxes. He ties their tails together, lights the tails, and sends the foxes out in the standing grain of the Philistines. Philistines, of course, didn't like that too much. They come after him. He takes the jawbone of a donkey, and in one encounter, he kills a 1,000 Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey, and he named the place he got the victory, Jawbone Hill. He picks up the gates of Gaza along with the bars that the gates are mounted on, thousands of pounds, puts them on his shoulders, and walks 42 miles uphill. Amazing. But Samson had issues in his life, didn't let God deal with over those 20 years of great exploits. He had issues with lust of his eyes. He had issues with lust of his flesh. He had a weakness for women. He had issues with pride. 
And after 20 years, that was enough. And finally, he hit the wall. And God allowed him to be subdued and captured by the Philistines. They gouged out his eyes. They put him in prison. They're grinding in a mill in a prison and just going around in circles. But that's not how his story ends. They bring him out to entertain them and mock him. The Philistine lad that's leading him around, he, he's leading him, and, and Samson, Samson says, would you lead me so I can lean against one of the pillars? And he leads him over, and he puts his hand on one pillar, and he puts his hand on the second pillar, and he prays. He's a humble man. He says, oh God, oh God, one more time. And God honors that prayer, and he pushes with all of his might. Heaven answers, and the whole temple of Dagon comes crushing down. And here's how it ends. Thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. And despite his failures and the issues of the lust of his eyes and flesh and the pride of his life, he yet, in the end of his life, was so humbled, and God empowered him, and he was a great hero. Then there's Jephthah. You find his story in Judges chapter 10. He was a bastard son. His mother was a prostitute. When his younger brothers grew up, they kicked him out of the family. You bastard, you're not going to be a part of our family. The Ammonites were oppressing Israel at this time. They cry out to the Lord. God was gracious. And his agent of deliverance was this bastard named Jephthah. One statement sums up the tremendous victory the Lord brought about through him. And the Lord gave them into his hands. And this bastard son became a hero of fate. You like these stories, kids? And then there's David. I mean, who doesn't know about David? David, <laughs> young lad, not old enough to be in the Israeli army, but he's got two older brothers and they're in the army and they're supposed to be fighting the Philistines. And dad says to young David, Jesse says, I want you to go check on your brothers. Take them some food, some refreshments, and then bring me back a report on how the battle's going. Well, when David shows up, there is no battle going. He looks out and his big giant Philistine named Goliath comes out and begins to curse the God of Israel and mock the Israeli army. And he says, oh, okay. And he'd been doing this for 40 days, 40 days. Okay. Send one of your best, send your best fighter out and face me, and we don't have to go into battle with everybody. Whoever wins that battle, it's over with. War's done. Not even King Saul will go out and face the guy. King Saul, who's a head and shoulders above every other Israelite man. And David shows up. He says, well, how come nobody will go face this uncircumcised Philistine? David says, I'll go fight him. And they can't believe it. Saul says, well, take my armor. Saul puts his armor on him. And he's clanking around with all the armor. And David says, I can't go with these. I can't fight like this. He's going to fight by faith. Not the world's way. And he goes out and he takes his shepherd's sling. And he goes down to the river and he chooses five smooth stones. I don't think he thought he needed five shots. Maybe, maybe it's just a God thing. But did you know that Goliath, the Bible tells us, had four brothers? <laughs> he's got five stones. And he goes out, and Goliath, when he goes out, Goliath's like, what, are you, are you, are you a flea coming to fight me, a flea? David says, you come to me with sword and spear. I come to you in the name of the God of Israel. And today, God will give the carcasses of the Philistines to us. But it didn't sound exactly like that. You know, it probably sounded more like, you come to me with sword and spear. I come to you in the name of that God of Israel. I mean, he's just a teenager. 
Goliath starts to come toward him. David puts the rock in the sling, spins it right in the forehead. Goliath falls down. David takes Goliath's own sword, chops his head off, takes that head back into Jerusalem. David becomes overnight national hero. Then there's Samuel. His mother's name is Hannah. For years, she was barren. She could have no children. She was distraught. She would weep. She would pray. She said, Lord, if you'll give me a son, Lord, if you'll give me a son, I'll dedicate him to you all the days of his life. God heard her prayer, gave her a son, Samuel, and she honored God, fulfilled her vow, and she takes Samuel as a young lad to the temple to serve under Eli the priest. Eli the priest has wicked sons, and Eli is lax as a parent and as a priest. And there, just as a young boy in the temple, God calls him. He doesn't know it's God. He thinks it's Eli. He goes to Eli. No, I didn't call you. Go lay back down. He lays back down. God calls again. He goes to Eli. Happens three times. Finally, Eli kind of getting some smarts to say, hey, that must be the Lord calling this boy. says, next time you hear the voice, say, speak, Lord, for your servant heareth. And God spoke again, and Samuel said, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And as a young boy, his prophetic ministry begins, and God says to him, Here's your first assignment. You go to Eli, and you tell him, Because of your unfaithfulness and your unwillingness to discipline your children, judgment's coming on your family. You imagine being a young boy? You going to go tell the priest that? He's going to say, Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for telling me that. His ministry as a private started as a young boy, and he was faithful to the Lord, standing for truth and speaking truth. He anointed the first king of Israel, Saul. And not long after he anointed him, he had to go back and rebuke that king for his unfaithfulness. What a hero. From the time he was a young boy, faithful to an aged saint. What a hero. And then the prophets. <laughs> we don't have time. But two of the greatest. Elijah. I mean, can you imagine the ministry of Elijah? Uh, during the famine for three and a half years, God uh, brings him bread and meat, breakfast and dinner, ravens, birds, bring it to him by the Kareth Ravine. Ravine dries up. God says, go to a widow of Zarephath. I'm going to provide through her, through a widow. The widow's son dies. Elijah gets on top of the dead body and prays, and God revives the son, resurrects. He goes to Mount Carmel, and against 850 false prophets, they're out crying out to their God, so much so they get too desperate, they're cutting themselves and the altar and the sacrifice, and yet nothing happens. And the agreement was, whoever, whatever God is real God, they'll answer by fire. And after all day, these guys out prophesying and calling on their gods and nothing from heaven, and Elijah walks out and says, okay, God, it's your turn. You show them you're the true God. And God answers by sending fire from heaven. And Elijah, Elijah had made them uh, wet the whole sacrifice and the wood and everything. And it says fire fell from heaven and got the wood and the sacrifice and all the water. And nobody had a question after that who the true God was. And Elijah never died. What a way to go. What a way to go. The prophets had been told, the other prophets, including uh, the servant of Elijah, Elisha, that God was going to take his master. Boy, when God decided to take him, you know what he sent? He sent a chariot of fire and horses 
of fire to pull that chariot. And Elijah was taken up in a chariot of fire pulled by horses of fire. And he went up to heaven in a whirlwind while Elisha watched. Oh, what a way to go. Elisha had prayed because Elijah had said, anything I'd do for you before I go. He says, well, what I'd really like is a double portion of the blessing that's on your life. He says, well, that's a, that's a tough one. But if this happens, then that'll be the sign. And the sign came. And do you know there are twice as many miracles recorded in the ministry of Elisha as there was of his master, Elijah? He started his ministry. He's going up the mountain, and these, these rebellious youth come out and, and mock him, and mock him. And here's what heaven thought about that. It says, God sent bears out of the woods and mauled 42 of the youth. By the way, you know what they were saying to him? Listen carefully. Come on, listen up. They said, go on up, you bald head. Go on up, you bald head which tells us he was bald-headed. You better be careful how you talk to bald-headed saints. All you shiners out there appreciate that story, don't you? So do I. Water miraculously provided for the kings of Israel and Judah as they're going to war through the ministry of Elisha. A widow who just had a little bit of oil and he said, go, well, go borrow jars from your neighbors and got all these jars and then start pouring oil from the little bit you got. And God just multiplied the oil and provided all the needs of the widow and her family. A Shunammite son died and Elisha, learning from his master, Elijah got on that body and God resurrected the Shunammite son. He's with the prophets because he was the leader of the school of the prophets, as it was called. And they're uh, eating one day, and uh, they got a kettle of a soup or whatever on, and some guy goes out and gets these wild gourds, and he thinks, well, this will make the soup a little nicer. You know, he throws it in, but they were poisonous. Men start to eat. They say, there's death in the pot. Elisha says, don't worry. Takes some flour, throws it in the pot, throws it in the pot, and now all the poison's gone. What a ministry. He multiplied food for the prophets, just like Jesus did in the 4,000 and the 5,000. Naaman the Syrian was healed of his leprosy. One day, the school of the prophets is growing, and they say, we got to build a bigger school. Elisha says, okay, let's do it. Uh, one of the prophets is chopping down a tree. Axe head falls off and goes into the water. He's like, oh, what am I going to do? It was borrowed. Elisha says, show me where it fell in. Shows him where it fell in. Elisha takes a stick, throws it in there. The axe head floats to the stick, and they reach out and grab the axe head out. That's cool stuff, man. That's just cool stuff. Victory over the Arameans that surround his house, and the, the servant goes out of the house, sees the Arameans surrounding, goes back in and says, Master, what are we going to do? He says, chill, man. It's okay. And he says, Lord, open his eyes. And the Lord opens the servant's eyes, and he looked, and around all the hills were numerous angelic chariots and angels, more numerous than the enemy. And God gives them victory. What a ministry. What a hero. I'm assuming it's quiet because you really like these stories, kids. Thanks for being so attentive. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, you have to immediately think of Daniel in the lion's den. Quench the fury of the flames. You have to think about Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Daniel's three closest friends. You might know them better by the names Babylon gave them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego.
The book of Hebrews contains a unique passage that's often referred to as the Hall of Faith. This section gives you a synopsis of people who followed their creator without knowing the end result or with having each step laid out for them. These icons of trust were definitely not without flaw. Their journeys weren't free from trials and tribulations either, but they came back to their faithful Heavenly Father time and time again, trusting that He would fulfill His promises. God used these ordinary men and women to accomplish great things in their time and to set in motion kingdom work that would continue to change lives for countless generations to come. We're so glad that you joined us today to study the book of Hebrews with Pastor Danny Hodges here on The Living Word. If you missed any part of today's teaching or would like to explore more of Pastor Danny's teachings through the books of the Bible, visit ccfstpete.church and click on Sermons. You'll be directed to our YouTube page and we'd love for you to subscribe. When you do, you'll be notified by email every time we post a new message. If you have any questions for us about what you heard today, or if you'd like us to pray for you, please email us. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. Again, that's info at ccfstpete.church. We count it as a privilege to lift our valued listeners up to the Lord in prayer. That's all we have time for today in our study of Hebrews. Join Pastor Danny next time to continue digging deeper into Scripture right here on The Living Word.